What's my pet peeve? Messy cat litter. Those furry little pads turn into cat litter super spreaders, leaving the already been used litter scattered across the floor for your bare feet to discover. The solution? World's Best Cat Litter's new load tracking and dust control. It's quick clumping, made from corn so it doesn't stick to paws like clay, and specially formulated to stay where it belongs, in the box. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter for a happier, less littered home. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, curious minds out there in our ever-expanding radio land. Welcome to CC with BB. Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, M.D. That's me. This is the only radio show in the world dedicated to the study of coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We are coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and broadcasting all over the world. What is the relationship between mind and brain? Does brain produce consciousness? Or does the greater consciousness produce the brain? How do mind and brain interact with each other? I'm a psychiatrist. I study this question in my office. I help people with medications and psychotherapy. I work in both the mind and the brain. You need your mind to recognize a coincidence and your brain to talk about it. Synchronicity is spoken here. Remember, coincidences alert us to possible causal connections not recognized by modern science. If you study your own coincidences, you will increase your curiosity about, the, about reality and how it works. The phrase connecting with coincidence is my coincidence brand. It is the name of my book, my Psychology Today blog, my website, and my social media sites. To find any and all of these, please put, quote, connecting with coincidence, end quote, in your search engine. You will come up with my website if you want, and you will be able to go to my weird coincidence survey on that website to find out just how sensitive you are to coincidences. One of the effects of studying coincidences is alerting us to probability, the question of how probability plays a role in our understanding of the explanation and perhaps causation of coincidences. How do you determine the probability of a coincidence? When is it possible to explain a coincidence only in probability terms? In many, if not most, coincidences, multiple lines of influence produce the outcome. I call these multiple lines vexing vectors. Vexing vectors. These vectors are lines of varying force that influence an outcome. The various forces creating coincidences include probability, personal responsibility, possible parapsychological events like telepathy and clairvoyance, as well as the fun of this is figuring out the mystery that contributes to many coincidences. Remember that probability is always present in every coincidence. Estimating the probability opens the way for other possible explanations. This probability isn't always and mostly isn't the only way to to think about explanation. However, statisticians use probability in a way that they seem to say, it happened, therefore it could happen, and there's a probability to its having happened, so probability explains it 
because there is a probability that probability happens. But this is implicit circular reasoning. But I recognize this, that this is a difficult idea to grasp. But today we have help. We have help from Gary Schwartz. Gary Schwartz knows a lot and he knows a lot about statistics and probability. And he and I will discuss that question of probability and statistics in our next segment or maybe even get into it in this one. Gary Schwartz is a professor of psychology, medicine, neurology, psychiatry, and surgery, wow, at the University of Arizona and director of the Laboratory for Advances in Consciousness and Health. He is also corporate director of development of energy healing at Canyon Ranch. Remember, energy healing. He received his PhD in psychology from Harvard in 1971 and was an assistant professor at Harvard for five years. He later served as professor of psychology and psychiatry at Yale, where he was director of the Yale Psychophysiology Center and co-director of the Yale Behavioral Medicine Clinic before moving to Arizona in 1988. He's published more than 450 scientific papers, including six papers in the journal Science. He has co-edited 11 academic books. His science books for the general public include The Afterlife Experiments, The Energy Healing Experiments, a Nautilus, which was a Nautilus gold winner in 2008, The Sacred Promise, An Atheist in Heaven, it's a great name, An Atheist in Heaven, and Super Synchronicity, which is his current book, 2017, and makes us really have to think about probability and cause, as we will get into uh, in our next segment. In 2012, he won the Distinguished Contribution to the Science of Psychology Award from the Arizona Psychological Association for his research in energy psychology and spiritual psychology. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www. 
holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Gary Schwartz, welcome back to CC with BB. A pleasure to have you back on the show and focusing on uh, one of your favorite subjects, probability. Thank you for having me. You know, there, aren't, there are not too many people who are actually interested in understanding probability and appreciating its profound significance for coincidence and synchronicity. I th- Gary, you know, I, I think uh, the coincidence studies, as we get it out to the general public, will help uh, people understand probability because they're going to want to understand how coincidences take place. So this is kind of a secondary intent, just as educators, to get the general public to learn more about probability. What a wonderful thought. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. So let's let's begin uh, to uh, do a little discussion with me. I mean, I'm going to learn from you too, because your book and descriptions of probability and the outlandishly low numbers that you come up with with your super synchronicities really draw one's attention to understanding probability. Because the basic principle that I want other people, everybody, to know is. The lower the probability, the more you've got to figure out uh, a, another explanation. That's correct. In fact, the um, when you reach levels of improbability that are so extreme, you have to entertain the idea that, as, as Susie Smith, uh, a dear colleague and friend of mine, used to say, it's too coincidental to be accidental. That was Yogi Berra. Actually, Yogi Berra, I think, said it slightly differently. <laughs> I think he said, it's too coincidental to be a coincidence. Oh, that's better. I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same idea. It, <laughs> Absolutely. It's that, it's I that, think Susie got it from, from Yogi, to tell you the truth. And try to say it better than he did, yes. Yeah, it... it so how do we un- how do we determine the probability of a given coincidence and whether it occurred by chance? Okay, let's start at, at the simplest level. Yes. Um, and what I what I hope that your listeners will appreciate is that this little abstract period of time that we're going to talk about it's really very simple to understand if it's taught in a clear way, and secondly, it turns out to be very profound very quickly when you realize what it means for understanding non-random connections between all of us. That's why 
connecting with coincidence is also about connections between things in general. And to what extent is are there forces that are bringing them together? And how mm-hmm. do we infer that? Okay. Good. Good. So let's start with the basic idea of, from statistics and its theory. The basic idea of probability theory is to estimate the probability of something occurring by chance. Now, what do we mean by chance? What we mean is that these events can occur. And Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. They can occur based on a fundamental assumption, which uh, statisticians make in the abstract world, but may not actually exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, everyone's f- familiar with flipping coins. And you know that if we flip a coin um, and we're not very skilled at it, skilled meaning we're not skilled at manipulating it, if you have, let's say, a, a hundred students in a class, flip a coin ten times, um, and then you calculate the average number of heads that occur in that ten flips, the average number will be t- five heads and therefore five tails. Now, some of the students will have gotten six heads. Some of them will have gotten eight heads. Some of them will have actually even gotten 10 hits, all right? That, it's, that that's possible. The assumption that we make, though, but some of them will also have less. Some of them will have four heads, two heads, one head, or even zero heads. Now, how do we calculate the probability of that occurring by chance? Well, what statistics assumes is that each event is independent of the next event. So the first thing you have to assume is that when you flip one coin and then you flip it again, the one in the past doesn't influence the one in the future. Right. You're always starting over from from the 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 probability of the independent or individual coin. And since the coin only has two possibilities, heads or tails, the probability of getting a head or a tail if each event is independent at any one moment is 50% or 1 over 2. Now, we all understand that. So because there's a 50% chance of getting heads and 50% chance of getting tails, on the average, you will um, you should get 50% heads and 50% tails when, when students uh, are, um, uh, are flipping coins. Now, here's how I demonstrate for students to, to see when did, when did they start questioning whether it's, quote, non-random or whether there's something that is influencing the coins. And so I'll do, an, I'll do a demonstration for students. I'll flip a coin, a quarter, and I'll show it to the students that it's, head, that it's got a head and a tail. I'll flip it, and it'll, it turns up, let's say, heads. And then I flip it again, and it turns out to be heads. Then I flip it again, and it turns out to be heads. Then I flip it again, and it turns out to be heads. And you start looking to see when the students start beginning to question what's going on. Then I flip it again, and I get heads. And every now and again, what I do is I show the student my hand, and they see that the coin is a heads. 
All right. And I keep doing this. And then I look and I say, it's heads. Then I flip it again. And I said, what? It's heads again. I show them the coin. I flip it again. We get heads. At some point, there are too many heads. When there are too many heads, people start wondering, wait a second. This is, it's supposed to be five out of, you know, five out of ten. I've now flipped it 12 times. Gary, I'm getting conspiracy theories going on in my mind. Yes, exactly. So I ask the students, I say, how do we explain this? And the students say, uh, you've changed the coin. So I show them the coin. And they say, oh, the coin is the same. And then they say, oh, you must be really good at flipping coins. You must have learned how to flip coins. Right? That's a possibility. And I say, <clears throat> no, I really, I really don't, can't do that. By the way, I can't. <laughs> you, and, didn't go, you didn't go to a school that taught you how to just come up with heads. Exactly. Okay. I did that coin flipping thing. And then they say, what you're doing is you're substituting the coin. So you show it to us, but you've got a hidden coin. And then I say no. And then they say, well, it could have occurred by chance. And the answer is yes. There is a probability that we could calculate that determine that that would occur. (coughs) So then I keep doing it. (coughs) And now they're getting really upset because it happens every (laughs) single time. And then, and then I said, do you want to know how I do it? And I say, yes. And I say, okay, how often do I show you the coin? And they think about it and they say, well, you, you show it to us every now and again. I said, that's correct. What I'm actually doing is I don't show it, I don't show it to them when it's tails. <laughs> I lie. <laughs> oh, Gary, in front of those nice, naive minds. Oh. Right, now. Why do I do this? I do this for them to understand that at some point we begin to question whether it's really not independence of events. Uh-huh. At some point we begin to say it's highly improbable. Uh-huh. Now the question is how improbable does it have to be before we begin to question the chance hypothesis. Yes. That's the question. Yes. Now, science in psychology, our general rule of thumb is that if something happens, that the probability of it occurring by chance is one out of 20, and or which is, which is called which is called 0.05 probability. Um, If it goes down to 0.05, we say in psychology it is, quote, statistically significant, and therefore, because there's only a 5% chance that it's occurred by chance, and there's a 95% chance that it wasn't. Now, if it, we get P less than 0.01 or 1 in 100 by chance, we say it's P less than 01, which means that there's a 99% chance that it wasn't by chance, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't independent, and therefore there was, something in on, there was something influencing the pattern of results. Yes. And therefore, so we're inferring some sort of process. Yeah. All right? If it's 1 in 1,000... We say that that's highly statistically significant. If it's one in ten thousand, um, you know you've you've discovered something that's highly reliable. Now, even when you though say, when, sub- you, when you say highly reliable, explain that a little bit. Well, what it means is that the probability of you repeating the experiment and getting the same result uh-huh. is very high. So the the lower the probability, the higher the reliability. 
Yes, the replicability. Thank you, replicability, yes. That's good, the reproducibility. That's easy, reproducibility. (laughs) Yes, okay. So, um, however, even if something occurs one in 10,000 or one in 100,000 or one in a million, it could still happen by chance because there's still a one in a million chance that something could happen by chance. In fact, I'll never forget that there was a um, a researcher by the name of Daryl Bem, Dr. Daryl Bem, oh, yeah. professor at Cornell, who did research on um, uh, precognition, did a whole series of studies. And they were all very carefully uh, conducted. He also did research on telepathy. And I'll tell you the telepathy story because that one's more interesting. Um, wait, that's wait. The one that, we got f- about 40 seconds, so um, you we'll got to be... We'll save it. When we come back... We'll talk about what would it mean if something were to happen only one in 10 million, for example. Yeah. And what would the skeptics say? What would the skeptics say if it happened in one in 10 million? A skeptic being someone in in the way you're talking about it wants to be able to uh, suggest that it's random. Exactly. Or they'll actually use the word coincidence because people often equate the word coincidence equaling chance yeah they'll say it's just a coincidence meaning it just could have happened by chance yeah just or mere and one of the things we'll get to too is what do we mean by a random universe because one of the things you taught me is that we have to question the randomness idea of the universe that there's much more interrelationship of parts going on than uh, the random guys want to admit And we're going to get to that in the next segment when we calculate how long it would take for this to occur by chance. Yes, we will. Dreams are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder, Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. 
If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, talking with Dr. Gary Schwartz about statistics and probability and trying to have us all understand what a low, low probability event means in our study of coincidences. Go ahead, Gary. Okay. We're almost done with the boring part. Um, so let's get back to something that has one in a million by chance or one in 10 million by chance. Um, the, there was a psychologist um, we were talking about before, uh, Dr. Daryl Bem, and he um, uh, did a pa- published a paper in Psychological Review on a whole series of experiments involving telepathy, which is a paranormal phenomena. And these were very carefully conducted, double-blind experiments, so on, so on really well done. And... When you looked at the, 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 the probability of all these replicated experiments, which you can calculate occurring by chance, it was like one in 10 million. I'm, I'm giving it a, 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 a guesstimate of the probability. I don't remember it perfectly right now. Anyway, um, that was ridiculously improbable that this would have occurred by chance. And I raised my hand because I went to this colloquium and I said, you know, I said, if we're to accept the canons of science and take it seriously, um, we have to entertain the hypothesis that this is not a random event, that this really must be a real phenomena because it is so replicable, because because it's so reproducible and because it's so improbable about occurring by chance. Well, afterwards, I was walking out with the then head of the Department of Psychology who was very skeptical, and I asked him, I said, what do you think of all of these data? How, you know, look at the, how well it controlled these experiments were. And he says, he said, Gary said, you're absolutely right. By the standards of science, this research is really sophisticated. I can't find any flaws in the experiment. But I don't believe it anyway. <laughs> but I don't believe it. And you know why he said that? He said, just what? remember, Gary, even though it was one in 10 million, it's still could have happened by chance. I love those guys. I mean, that's what they do. <laughs> to me, it's if you if you can stick a probability on it, which you can for almost all of these things, then you can explain it by chance, even if it's a real low probability. Right. So that, that, now that, re- that reasoning makes me nuts, but I'm glad I figured it out. Right. So now that we understand what their argument is, here's the part that they've left out, and that is. How do these probabilities relate to the real world where things take time to occur? So, for example, um, and, I, uh, and I give an example in the book of um, trying to calculate the probability of, 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 of a coincidence – and that, and that book uh, is Super Synchronicity um, that, that just came out uh, recently. Super that's Synchronicities. Correct. And Gary is the master of serial coincidences, and that's what a lot of his stories are about. So please continue. Thank you. Um, 
But I'm going to take not a super synchronicity. I'm going to take what I call a type one synchronicity, which is a which is a coincidence of a pair of events, a real phenomena. So let's take a real life phenomena. There was a uh, I was having a, um, a meal with a couple um, and they told me this phenomenal coincidence where they were in New York City and they were in um, uh, Central Park. And they were thinking about holding a, a meeting. Uh, you know, they were going to hold a conference, and that they wanted to invite someone. Was, his name was actually Dr. Paul Pearsall, now deceased, um, to um, to speak at this meeting. But they didn't have his contact information. Um, but they decided that they wanted to invite him. So I had, they had this moment. They're in Central Park. They decide that they want to invite him. Now they know who he is. And they've met him, but they didn't know how to contact him. All right, dear. Excuse me. Uh, all right, dear listeners, see if you can guess the outcome of this story. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> think about what's going to happen. Did the professor just happen to walk by the bench they were sitting, or what else? Yes. And what what happens at that that moment? Who do they bump into Ooh. in Central Park? Now remember, <laughs> these people live in Hawaii. Who do they bump into at that moment but Paul Pearsall and his wife, Celeste? Who happened to be taking a stroll in the park. Who happened to be taking a stroll in the park. Now, the question is, how do we calculate the probability of that occurring by chance? Okay? And so what I did in the book was, and this is the part that I, I do take a little bit of cleverness for, um, and that is that if we if we make believe for a moment we estimate that maybe there are a, a hundred million couples married couples in the world by the way there are many more than a hundred million but let's be conservative and we say that there's a hundred million couples um, in the in the uh, the world um, how do we calculate the probability of two of those couples being in the same place at the same time, bumping into each other? And what I would like you to do, like to do is um, is read this so that the so the audience can hear it um, the way it was written in the book. It'll only take me a second, all right? But you'll you'll get it. So how long um, would it take to for for one couple remember one out of a hundred million to beat another couple that's one out of a hundred million once they have specified that other couple and that's the trick in this yes they could, they could meet any other hundred million of the couple but once you start specifying the person that you might you want to run into you very much lower the probability when that happens right because it's you got you got one couple there's only one Paul Pilsroll and Celeste out of 100 million. And there's also only one couple uh, who were inviting him. Yes. You multiply 100 million times uh, 100 million, and that makes a huge number. It comes out to, uh, to I, I have to count all the zeros, but it comes out to 10,000 trillion or 10 million billion. It's a big number. Now, what does that value, how does that translate into time? And time is what we really want to talk about here. Yeah, that's so, that's right. That's right. How long will it? How long? How long would it take for that to happen by chance? Yeah. So I say, how long would it take for a specific couple A, who are talking about a specific couple B, to be walking along and notice couple B, and then say something like, "Wow, could that be couple B? Amazing! That's them." So I say, for ease of calculation, let's estimate that this takes maybe one minute in Earth time to occur. So it takes a minute for this process to be, to occur. Now, being conservative again, let's give couple A every opportunity to bump into couple B. Let's imagine that our two couples could be walking around, possibly bumping into each other 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, even though this is not biologically possible. People have to sleep, eat, work, etc. So we're making a ridiculous you know, we're giving this every possibility to occur in time. 
I'm being very conservative here. So using the values we've already calculated, which I did before, we, I've calculated that there are 525,600 minutes in a year. So when we divide one 10,000 trillion by that number of minutes, that 500,000 minutes, we get a number which is 19025875192258, which of course is, what does that mean? Now, we, we divide that number by, because that's now years, when we now divide this number by 13.7 billion. Now, 13.7 billion is the, 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 uh, the agreed-upon consensus age of the universe. The result, it comes out to be 1,388. So what does that mean? What that means is it would take, if you did this 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, have these couples, bump it, couples bumping into each other randomly. It would take over a thousand times the age of the universe for those couples to have bumped into each other by chance. So that's now a way of turning this into a practical probability. Now, somebody could turn around and say, yes, but there are a hundred, you know, there are, what would happen if we, if we did this for a um, hundred million people? We have every, everybody stopped working. <laughs> everybody stopped sleeping. It wasn't just a pair of people doing this. Well, that would reduce it enough to the point where it might only be a billion years per family. But remember, the average human lives how long? A hundred years? No, maybe 75 years? We're talking about more people than have ever lived. So even though the statistician will say, well, in an infinite amount of time, with an infinite amount of people... This could happen by chance. In real life, in real time, this becomes what I call astronomically improbable. And if, and so certain coincidences are not just one in 10,000 or one in 10 million. They're literally one in, in hundreds of, of billions or hundreds of trillions. And those probabilities become impossible, essentially, to happen in the physical world. Okay. Uh, and there's a couple of steps in your calculations that I couldn't follow. Um, sure. But it, and I think I can suggest the readers go back to your book to be able to look at it. Um, yeah, the, the, problem I, in, the problem in talking about probability is you have to then do the calculations. Yes. And so I hope your listeners, it's, it's not difficult. You just have to take into account minutes and hours and length of universe and so on and so forth. Here's the take-home message. That, that certain things are just ridiculously improbable to have occurred by chance. Yes, yes. And if they haven't occurred by chance and it doesn't, it's not reasonable to make believe that they could have occurred by chance, i.e. to speculate in an abstract sense, then what we have to do is we have to look for some sort of real connection, a yeah. real process. That there's, there's something going on that helped produce that those two couples running into each other in Central Park. Yes, and that those things go beyond what we typically think of as as in the conventional world it yeah. takes us to the paranormal and it takes us to the spiritual because the current our current explanatory models are not going to be able to explain them and so we have to go further and this is such an important point gary that that 
even if people just get an intuitive sense of the low probability, that alerts them to have to be thinking about this particular coincidence as having some other uh, explanation other than simple probability. And this way, probability becomes incorporated into our understanding of coincidences. Yes, in we, fact, we, it, it, we've, we're finished with, with this segment, and we'll continue with the value of probability in coincidence studies. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. 
Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back to CC with BB and my super guest, Gary Schwartz, talking about super synchronicities and probability. And the take-home message for you is if you have a sense that the coincidence you're seeing feels, seems like a low probability event, that's a clue for us to be looking, for you to be looking at other explanations besides statistics and probability. Right. In fact, you know, in my book, Supersynchronicity, which focuses on events, what you call serial coincidences, where there are six or more events, not just two, but six or more occurring in a close proximity in time and uh, which are ridiculously improbable. I, li- I provide evidence for um, uh, more than 13 of them in this book, and each one has a lesson each Supersynchronicity has a lesson. And the first one, um, which is called Supersynchronicity in New York City, the lesson from that synchronicity, which is the very first synchronicity I ever experienced, um, which happened to be a supersynchronicity, um, the lesson is follow the evidence that is way beyond chance, mm-hmm. which is what you were saying. So if something happens in your life and, it, and you begin to realize that the probability of it occurring by chance is very low. Pay attention to it. Follow yeah. it and see where it takes you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hope to, uh, that I and others will get into the iterative process of seeing a low probability, thinking about the explanation, and then examining the probability as well as they can. One of the things that I hope uh, you're going to be helping people with is just how to think about estimating probabilities of coincidences. Sure. Um, if you'd like, um, I'll briefly share the very first synchronicity that I had. The corgi and, dog. The yeah, corgi the corgi dog, dog one. Uh, only because it 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 illustrates the process yes. of um, of there being too many coin flips, or yeah. too many numbers, or too yes. many ravens, or too many dragonflies, or too yes. many whatever. Okay. Yeah. Monkeys. So. Or two, yes, monkeys. We should get to monkeys at some we, point. We, I hope we do. Okay, we really should. Because, um, you, know, you know how this happens. You start, you know, you start, um, there are moments when these things congregate. And I have had a few very odd monkey moments occurring in the past few days, plus a spontaneous email from Kelly, huh. who, is the, who is the supreme... You know, monkey super synchronicity serial coincidence person <laughs> in the history, probably of the universe. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's 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 give let's give an example. How does this begin for me personally? Well, I was a professor at Yale, and I was raised in conventional materialist science. I believed, which was what I was taught by my professors, that. Um, that the brain creates consciousness, that literally the mind is a construction of our material neurons, and that there is no paranormal phenomena are not real. There is no greater spiritual reality. There is no God or universal mind or whatever. And that's how I was raised, and that's what I, quote, believed. And then odd things started happening in my life that led me to question that. So, and the first thing that I noticed that were, was odd was that there were too many 11s in my life. Now, what do we mean by that? And now you have to understand, I am a math, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a math guy. I'm a statistics guy. So if the, if you would, if the universe is going to catch my attention. I'll do it with numbers. <laughs> it's got to start with numbers so that I could put a probability on it. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. it's got yeah. it's got to shake my it's got to shake my consciousness. Yes. All right. So here's how it started to shake my consciousness, and then we'll get to things that the that your audience will really be able to you know appreciate because um, it's more personal. But this was personal for me. 
I began to notice that there were too many 11s in my life. So, for example, and I say too many, what do I mean by that? Um, my office at Yale was 1A, and, of course, A is the first letter of the alphabet, so it was a 1-1. One, one. Now, why did I notice that? Because um, there were other 1s and, and As in my life and other numbers that were adding up to 11. So, for example, the, the building that I was in, it was around the corner from a street called Kirkland um, Avenue, and it was spelled Kate uh, with 11 letters. That's the way it, it was. Um, I had to take exit 56 to, um, to, to go home, which was in Guilford. 56 adds up to 11, which put me on Route 1A, which was, again, 11. I ended up going to my house, which was 326 Colonial Road, and 326 added up to 11 in the state of Connecticut that had 11 letters. Um, I then discovered that well, if I added up my phone number, which I now don't remember, the numbers added up to 11. Or if I took my license plate and took the letters and gave them numbers and then added them up and plus the numbers and reduced them down, the numbers added up to 11. My birthday was June 14, 614. 6 plus 14 added up to 11. They were too many 11s in my life. Now, how did I know that there were too many 11s? Well, one of the ways that I could know that was to see whether this happened to other people. In other words, was it common for people to have this many 11s in their life? So that's what scientists do. One of the ways that you estimate whether something is probable or not is you look to see how frequently it occurs. So I, being a boring scientist, what did I do? I went around and asked students, I asked staff people and so on, if they had 11s in their life, their office numbers or their houses or their streets that they were going to. Or I asked them if they had other numbers that might add up to that. And what I discovered was, I mean, I only did this with about 50 people, but what I discovered was that nobody that I bumped into had that many 11s. The variability is your willingness to find non-11 numbers and then see if there was an 11 in there. So not everybody's going to do that. Exactly. I had to become open to the possibility of seeing this, uh, the, the, yes, to see relationships in numbers. But again, remember, yes. I was a number guy. Yeah. So I already had those skills. Now, so when can you, other people? When you yes. went around asking other people, they weren't number people as like you. And exactly. So I had have... to teach them. I had yeah. to teach them to yes. say, okay, well, we yes. add the numbers down, or we take. In other words, yeah. I taught them the rules. Yes. That, you, that I yeah. was applying. Yes. And I, you did it for them, so they could see how I did it. We All got right? about three minutes left, so I want to make sure we get to we do this this great discussion. Okay. So. I began, I wanted to learn. I couldn't make any sense of this. And then other weird things happened to my life. Somebody, I will do this very quickly, suggested that um, independently of all these numbers, that there was a, 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 a religious tradition called the Kabbalah, which I thought was the Kabbalah, um, and that I should read about this because things that I did was related to this and they just started publishing this in New York so I went to New York to see if I could find a book on the Kabbalah now this was in the early 1980s and there were virtually no books there was no Madonna at this point there was no it, you know it, this was mostly secret knowledge unless you knew Hebrew and anyway there was a book published called Kabbalah for the layman and I read this book and in that book, I stumbled upon a chapter called Numerology. And they talked about taking numbers and letters and doing exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. And they talked about how the number 11 was called a master number. And it was very important in that metaphysical tradition. So now I've got another coincidence. Mm -hmm. I've got a coincidence of 
in seemingly independently from discovering these 11s, a black medical student te teaches me about this esoteric metaphysical belief, which I then feel the need to see whether I could learn about and then discover that what I had done was rediscover an ancient tradition, which I realized, again, was statistically improbable. And that then was what took me, as you said, to the corgi, which was absurdly improbable, which was my way of being able to stay connected to this tradition, which, um, which was inappropriate for me to learn about at that time. Um, I, I don't know if we have time to share this now or not. Um, uh, the corgi, the corgi story. Yeah. Um, I think to summarize it, you just saw you saw in one day uh, a bunch of corgi dogs uh, on the streets and ran into variations on the theme in many different ways. But I don't think we're going to have time right. for that. And, and, and I, right, it doesn't, and that's not important. The, the reader, you know, your listener can go if they want to see it. The critical thing was to become continually open to highly improbable yes. events, yes, and yes. then be willing to connect the, the dots yes. between them. What you are illustrating for our audience is how certain events involving coincidences can then blow your mind open enough to start looking at them. And you were curious enough anyway, but this made you have to say the low probability of the 11s and then the corgi dogs following and the many others afterwards, there's something more going on. And Gary, we're going to have to talk about that, what that something is some other time. But we're leading up to it. And thank you very, very much for being back on the program Connecting with Coincidence. Thank you very much.